My name is Marin Green. I walk the path of sacred midwife, mother, and spiritual gangster. My role is a keeper of wisdom, of the ancient ways of being. I trust Source as my ultimate guide. There is nothing more radical than feeling and listening to your own soul. On this podcast, you'll hear about my real life as a mother to 10, a sacred birth worker, a priestess, and a creator of the new earth. I see my life purpose in my children, in leading the sovereign and radical birth community of indie birth, and in embodied learning and living. Join me in the remembering of who you really are. You are powerful. Welcome to the podcast. It is a beautiful Sunday here. In fact, I wonder if the mic is able to pick up the birds that are so often in the background. Sometimes it's even a rooster, although more typically in the morning. In fact, our neighborhood rooster, which is wild, by the way, if you didn't know, Hawaii has a ton of wild chickens and roosters. Um, Our neighborhood rooster likes to crow at about, I want to say 2 a.m. He doesn't quite get the sunrise thing, maybe, or he doesn't care. That's very possible that he just doesn't care. It is also full moonish. So I think sometimes I hold the theory that he crows earlier than not on full moon weeks, but don't quite know. So maybe you hear those birds. Maybe you don't. I am feeling very excited. So that's a change. Uh, I keep track of my own progress here by doing podcasts. I was not feeling excited, really, about traveling to Spain just last week. And you heard me maybe lamenting about the long travel. I'm still not totally comfortable with the travel, but I have obtained the trusty neck pillow of choice. I have downloaded a jet lag app to my phone I have secured snacks (laughs) and I'm feeling overall better about being en route to Barcelona, which is a 24 hour trip from Oahu. We'll see. We'll see how it goes. Um, I did have the thought today that perhaps I can just treat it like a silent meditation. I don't know how real that will be. And I may want to use the time to listen to podcasts, right? To do things I don't typically feel like I have the time to do. So I'm also thinking on that, just the the stuff I could download. Um, I have so many online classes available to me right now. And so I could do that. I don't know. We, we will see. It is very rare for, I think, any mother, much less a mother of 10, to have that much time alone. I am going to enjoy it as much as I can. The actual workshop in Barcelona is a week from today. And shh, don't tell anyone, but I still don't have a presentation done. It's okay, though. I think it'll be fine. 
a six or seven hour workshop presented by yours truly will be fine. I know that it will because I really do have so much to share. Um, Honestly, I probably have way more than seven hours and it'll be even less than that because we will be having it translated into Spanish. Uh, Gracias to Meritzel, who is going to be my personal translator for this workshop. So I don't know what that's like in a sense to teach and have every word I say have to be translated. I'm happy about it though. I'm super grateful. And I think it's really beautiful that we can make this multicultural. But just from the teaching perspective, I'm not quite sure how that will feel and, you know, how much time in a sense to subtract because it certainly is going to take time to have everything said twice. So I will report back in a couple of weeks, but I'm very much looking forward to this workshop. And it has filled up beautifully. Uh, There are still a couple of spaces, I think, I think. But I received word that a couple of Czech Republic midwives, so if you're out there, yay for you, um, are coming. And gosh, that's so humbling. And again, just a really beautiful opportunity, um, not just for me, of course, but for all of us to sit in sister circle with women from around the world. Like, it's kind of a dream, um, other than maybe not being able to converse as easily as a group that all speaks the same language. I think there's going to be such beauty in it, of course, uh, because we have so much in common right? We don't need to speak the same language. Birth is universal. Watching birth videos, which we're going to do a lot of, I think, is also universal. Um, Feeling in the body, universal. So I know it will be really instructive for me as well. It will be very informative. Let's put it that way. Um, I'm sure I'll learn a lot about another culture, about some other cultures and about myself and about this country I'm going to because I've never been. I've never been to Spain and I've never been to Europe, believe it or not. So that is what is on the horizon. Oh, Ozzy, please stop that. This is real life here, folks. He is chewing up a paper towel. Go lay down, please. He's a little restless. Um, He's adapting well. He's almost two months or Actually, it's exactly two months about that Ozzy has entered our family. And like a child, you know, kind of as a a newborn, as they grow and shift and change, um, so does a dog, honestly, even an adult dog in a new home. So at two months in our family, he is making himself known. My, My sense is he was really used to being an afterthought, which is sad, right? His, his face is so fucking cute. It's so cute. But I think he was used to being an afterthought and maybe a burden. Um, and so he's getting comfortable enough to express his needs and wants, just like a baby. And I really find that flattering. I'm, I'm honored that he chose us and he's starting to make it known. So 
one of the things that is important to him as a dog, and again, <laughs> forward passes if you're not a dog mom, uh, one of the things that's important is that he gets his walk and ball throw every day. And so here we are, a late afternoon on a Sunday, and Ozzy hasn't gotten his ball throw yet. We just haven't yet. So it's coming after this podcast, but he's more insistent these days in nudging me literally to get up and take him away and out. So I really love that. Um, But I'm hoping he can settle down for just a little while longer before we take him. All right. I am feeling very excited. So I'm honoring that because it's making me feel like I want to talk really fast and forgot to breathe just never the best thing for me or maybe for you. Okay, what am I talking about today? I am, once again, because I've done this before, I am going to read a newsletter that I wrote just this morning. Because I have more to say about it, and not everybody reads our newsletter Um, Even if you're subscribed, I understand we've been sending a lot and we're we're happy with that. We're proud of that. Um, You know, companies, I guess, choose how often they want to send emails. But we as a team, Margot, me and Sam have agreed that we have more to express. So maybe you've noticed the uptick in Indie Birth emails, which... I think most people, and and maybe you are one of them, I think most people are finding that to be a nice thing. Uh, They're not like sales emails. I mean, very rarely. We're just kind of like sharing our thoughts, which I think is really valuable if you're interested, of course. Sam also concocted some new email designs. You may have noticed that my email is coming from me and same for the other two ladies. Um, You know, with three people sending emails, we're also trying to make it clear who's sending what. So that's kind of the behind the scenes update. But that's felt really good because we know, of course, when we're supposed to send them, you know, which one of us. And maybe you've noticed too that the topics of the emails we're writing kind of do piggyback off each other. And that also feels really good Because for us, it feels like we are connecting to each other and weaving something more coherent, perhaps, than three different people writing different emails all the time. So this week, I believe it was Sam that kicked off a little mini series, so to speak, on prenatal care. She wrote a really beautiful email. If you are subscribed didn't read that, uh, check your junk mail, go back in time and read her email from this week. Margot then followed up with another lovely email about um, trauma in a sense and pregnancy, which was also really spot on and gave her, you know, a platform in a way to express more of her own personal story as of late. So we got to me and I decided to write about pregnancy in isolation and how that can feel like the new quote unquote normal. 
I have normal in quotes because, of course, I don't think that means that um, it's anything but typical nowadays in a way. So normal, not meaning like acceptable necessarily, but normal in just that, you know, that's how it may be seen in some circles to have a pregnancy in isolation. And it's interesting, this topic, because it doesn't feel new at all to me. In fact, I was racking my brain before recording this. I guess I could have looked too. But I was wondering if I had already recorded something similar. And then I decided I didn't care because the same things do come up and they come out, come out of my mouth in different ways. So I'm just going to go with it and maybe ad lib afterwards. But following some usual form, I'm going to read the email that I wrote and that will give us a jumping off place perhaps for some further elaboration. Okay, so I'm just going to read it first and then I'll go back and I'll comment on my own email. (laughs) How's that? Okay. I was reminded once again yesterday after taking part in a Zoom meeting about free birth, long story, that our culture is obsessed with labels and obsessed with the birth. I have been saying this for so long, but I will say it again. Birth is amazing and a life initiation. But the ugly stepsister that really rarely gets attention is the actual pregnancy and second to that motherhood. Women are at a point in history where trauma is commonplace. Actually, it's not even an argument that most of us are or have been traumatized, just as a matter of fact in modern life. Of course, not everything one experiences is a huge capital T trauma, think death or accident. Trauma happens in little ways because collectively we have forgotten how to relate to our own bodies and to other humans. So it makes perfect sense in a backwards way that a quote unquote wild pregnancy fits that description. We've forgotten how to relate to our own bodies and listen. We've forgotten that women thrive on actual human support, sometimes hands-on and sometimes not. Like many traumatized individuals, we decide going at it all alone and sticking to rigid dogma about what is allowed or not according to the external belief system. Because in the past, we haven't felt safe in being able to voice our own no. It becomes safer to not relate to anyone, even ourselves. That is trauma in a nutshell. We forget how to relate and our body's feeling of safety gets a little skewed, although it feels so real. We develop sometimes rigid plans of control because the internal feeling is so out of control. We're not grounded, stable, and open to really following the needs of the body. The more I feel this deeply in my own body, and the more I see it being used as a way to hypnotize women into doing pregnancy the right way. The more I want to shout from the rooftops that having care and support during pregnancy is necessary for our animal selves. And that was in bold. We can have a dozen pregnancies and still find ourselves learning and growing. We can have two births two years apart and experience them 180 degrees differently. 
There is a way we use the past to predict the future, but my favorite part of pregnancy care is the here and now of what's occurring for her. This is why 10 pregnancies in, I still found myself craving sister support. I had never been through that pregnancy before. I still had fears, hopes, dreams, and shit to work through. I get that not every woman feels she has access to a wise mentor, elder, or sister for this purpose. Of course, we intend to change that and play a part in that each day through our students that hold this vision. A wise woman to walk with you through pregnancy doesn't mean she knows more, and it doesn't mean you are giving your power away. The authentic guide knows where to point you, where to help shine the light, reflect back to you your past and what you may still be holding. The birth matters, but the time before shapes each woman as the mother she is meant to be. This is my dream for all women for generations forward. That we and they have the ability to feel what is true for us and embrace pregnancy with full desired support from a place of wholeness. Whew. That's the email. Hmm. I definitely feel like I said my piece. If there's a piece to be said. (laughs) So let's see what else I have here. Well, backing up, this is not the first time I've said openly or maybe insinuated that I think a lot of the free birth movement is a trauma reaction. And funny, I, I didn't receive any angry or negative replies to this email, at least not yet, and maybe I won't. But historically, in the past, when I've said these things, um, it does tend to trigger people. So people are allowed to be triggered. That's totally their right. And I think for anyone that's feeling a bit of that, Um, I, of course, you know, don't have the answer and and don't know where people are coming from. But generally speaking, any kind of trigger deserves our attention. How, why, when? I can't really say for anyone. But I know for myself, if I'm feeling triggered by something, uh, there's some amount of truth to what's being said. And that alone is triggering in a sense to realize like, oh, shit, um, there is part of me that identifies with this. But, you know, we all have the work to do to unravel our triggers should we choose and find the truth and find, you know, the places inside of us that hold whatever was said to be true. And then we can decide, right? Do I really think that's true or or whatever happens after that? I have no idea uh, in anyone but myself. But just addressing, just really speaking to the triggered response. And I'm not judging that. I think I think I understand that. And I'm sure there are many things that could be said uh, that I would also have that response and need to sit with it. I guess the difference being when I am feeling that way, um, it's not a nice way to feel. But for me, I recognize that there's some digging there to do. So that's me. And you can take it or leave it if you're someone that is feeling triggered in in a perfect world, in a perfect, you know, nervous system, uh, which 
I don't know that any of us have since that's not entirely the goal. But, you know, in a perfect world, people that aren't triggered by a thing just don't feel anything. They just move along. And, you know, there's no activation there. There's no attack. There's no defense. It's just like, oh, that doesn't apply to me. So that's uh, a real thing. You know, there are many of you out there that this doesn't apply to. And you don't need to defend that to me or to yourself. If it doesn't apply to you, then it doesn't apply to you. Uh, If it doesn't feel like you've made your choices, possibly from a place of, um, you know, not feeling safe, then all the power to you. And I know they're out there, right? There's no anything in the world, in my humble opinion, that is black and white. I think everything has different shades of color and possibility. So for sure, I know there are many women out there that have chosen this idea of I'm going to do it alone. And it's 500% right for them. And, you know, like I said, then this should not, in theory, be triggering because you got it, right? You own it. And it just doesn't apply to you. So that said, I think there is truth for some in my statements, because there always is. And I think there is a desire to keep quiet in the birth world around this topic for fear of offending people, for fear of triggering them, for fear of having people harass you. Um, When I did do a podcast about free birth, you know, what was it, four or five years ago? Um, It was incredibly triggering for people. And, you know, there were a lot of comments out there on both sides of the fence that I could choose or not to engage with. So I've been there. I've done that. I'm not afraid to say what I think. And I'm really amazed that when I shared that viewpoint that many years ago, I wasn't into trauma work at all. I wasn't into studying and learning what I'm learning now. So that's how I know for me that that belief feels real. Um, Again, it doesn't mean it's everybody, but I think there's truth to this viewpoint that when we go at it alone, um, in many cases, it's because we're really not feeling safe in our own selves for a variety of reasons that are very real. And we have to adapt dogmatic thinking or planning to attempt to control uh, the situation. But here I am years later, and I am doing more detailed work now. And I see that that still feels true for me in a more detailed way. As you heard in the email, um, I have a lot more, you know, words and ways of describing what I had initially suspected as truth many, many years ago. So that feels kind of cool because it's not new, only I have more basis and more experience to support my own beliefs. What I will add here that I didn't say back a bunch of years ago, um, but that also feels very, very real for me, is that it actually doesn't matter So here I am pointing it out and I'm not doing that to villainize this choice of doing birth alone or doing your pregnancy in isolation. 
I'm actually not. I'm pointing out a potential emotional process that may be true, but I actually don't care what people do. And making a choice from a place that is hurt or scared is really common. It's really common and it happens all of the time in our own lives, in all kinds of ways and in the world. And so it's not that that should stop, um, if that makes sense, because that should happen for people in the ways that it needs to happen so they can progress on their own path and learn. In other words, no matter what someone chooses, there's truth in that choice for them in those moments, even if it comes from a place of trauma, because it's their choice and and they'll evolve and change and learn just, you know, as we all do. So there's that. And there's the fact that many women are more open to exploring. They're more open to self-investigation and considering and being aware of themselves and their triggers and their past. And I guess that's who I'm primarily speaking to. Because people that have already made their choice for whatever reason have already made it. And it's not my business. You do what you want to do. However, something that has become more real for me is that when we make a place from a wounded plate, a wounded part of ourselves, and I'm over here raising my hand, I've done it many times. And I think my intention for myself going forward is to just be more aware of what I'm feeling in my body. I don't think it's about like erasing the wound. It's just simply feeling the wound and asking yourself, you know, is this a place of wholeness? Is this where I want to come at this from? That's my intention for myself because I am going to have places in my body activated. I'm going to be triggered. I'm going to have traumatic events be relived. Like I'm a normal human as you are. And that's just being human. So I think that's really refreshing, isn't it? Like no one's trying to be this um, like totally pristine, unrealistic version of being human. I don't think. I think we can still be whole. And that's how I ended that email. Um, I think we can still feel our wholeness and our perfectness, you know, our connection to source and acknowledge that our human bodies hold feelings. That's just part of being a human being. That feels different for me from a bunch of years ago. Um, So, you know, people will hear what they want to hear. And that's particularly true for me when I speak. People just hear what they want to (laughs) hear. So I'm not trying to convince you. But um, honestly, it's not a judgment. Make a decision from wherever you want to make it from. However, if we all can be more aware of that place that is speaking to us in our bodies, then we stay true to ourselves. And that's, I think, where 
I wasn't evolved enough a bunch of years ago to like tie that in to that podcast. Um, It was called The Honest Truth About Free Birth, by the way, if you're someone that's new-ish. I was just a little bit rough around the edges, I feel, with addressing this. And again, you know, the fact that it came off as an attack to some isn't really my business. But I feel like it was aggressive in a sense because I just didn't have this broader understanding. And of course, I look forward to an even broader understanding in myself in years to come. So this isn't like the end of the story. But what I didn't talk about then that I really feel that I want to bring in now is that when we make a choice to choose from this wounded place, which again, we're not judging, we're accepting, we all have it. We all have many places often. Um, We are not our real and true selves. And I'd love for you to just sit with that as Ozzy makes too much noise over here. When we make a choice from a place of trauma, we are not our real and true selves. So again, that means we're not villainizing any of it. We're not saying it's bad or wrong. We're just acknowledging if we believe the same thing, that the problem there is that we're not being our true selves. We're being the person with this wound, which again, is valid. We're not saying it never happened. Maybe you had a horrible last birth and you were physically, emotionally, and spiritually wounded in a million ways. It's honoring that, but recognizing that if that's where you're coming from in choosing no one to be with you, you're not being your true self. Your true self's under there. And guess what? Your true self might come to the same conclusion of being alone. And that's where we can't judge it because we don't know why or how someone got to the place where they are at. Again, my suspicion is that because this isn't talked about in this way, um, many people are using their past to make these choices in a way that may not, and here's, you know, another may not, may not be in true alignment. Is it perfect for them at that moment? Yes. Uh, Will they still learn what they need to learn? Absolutely. But as we're all trying our best, I think, uh, in this, you know, coming into the new earth reality to be in more alignment. And even that isn't saying it well, because like, we are in alignment, like we are, we are already in alignment. But as we're realizing our whole selves, as we're realizing the perfect nature of our entire beings, then we automatically start to choose things that honor that. And instead of honoring our past trauma and wounding, we're honoring the completion of, you know, this version of ourself. So I know that's a lot of words. Maybe you don't agree. But I love where that has landed for me in my own body, because it feels very true. It feels very like deep wisdom. It feels very um, like not in the ego. Like, honestly, like I don't, I don't care what people do. 
But my beacon of light here on this planet is authenticity. So in myself, so this feels really authentic for me. Just saying again, that same statement that I asked you to just feel in your own body. Does it feel true for you? And where do you feel it? Uh, When we make a place, when we make a choice from a place of trauma, we are not our real and true selves. And that can feel true and maybe to some intimidating or scary, right? Like, oh shit, I don't know who my real and true self is. Um, And I acknowledge that, yeah, that last birth was like really awful, you know, They did vaginal exams without my consent. They didn't listen to me. My baby, you know, all the things. My baby was in the NICU. We couldn't get out of the hospital. Like violation, violation in a million ways. And I am not non-compassionate. I don't think about that. I hear stories all week long. I hear really traumatic birth stories often. Um, So I honor those. And it's never about telling someone They shouldn't have felt the way they did or, you know, it could have been different. The reality is it lives in their bodies. So it is real. It very much is real. But if you're someone that has experienced anything like that, then I think it would feel expected to not know where to go next. And funny enough, um, I didn't even try to necessarily tie this in, but the birth trauma circle that uh, was mentioned at the beginning of the podcast will probably address some more of these things. So I'm not going to go totally hog wild into um, some of it, like attachment wounds and who knows what else will come out in that circle. Obviously, I have a lot to say. But for today, again, the focus is on um, our old traumas making it impossible to actually hear our true voice and it becoming safer to not feel those things. And again, that's a real facet of trauma. Uh, We don't want to feel because what we feel is not good. And so we cut off, right? We dissociate, we become numb. And then again, in this like total stereotypical situation, um, you know, there's this movement for like, hey, just do it alone. And it's kind of like I said, like um, hypnotizing, perhaps like here's this solution here. Are all of you women that are severely hurting and damaged from your birth, um, instead of helping you through that, um, here's this like carrot we're dangling. Here's this carrot of like complete isolation where you won't have to feel. And guess what? You won't have to relate to another human being. So you're safe. And I'm not saying that. um, I'm not saying that in any way to be funny. I don't think it's funny, actually. I think that's very real. And again, if you're not someone that that applies to, this doesn't mean anything to you. But if it is, I think you'll feel that as well. And um, sitting with that might be enough for right now. Because there's no blame. You might uncover that in yourself, however. But, you know, sort of theoretically, it's not a blame shame thing. It's not that you did the wrong thing. It's that 
This is also what the world has presented us with at this time in history. This complete disjointed approach to following your own truth, right? It's like the emergency rescue approach. Instead of, again, working through things, acknowledging the triggers and whatever, um, it's just this perhaps easier looking fix. And again, people can feel the way they want about that. But we have so much contact with women that do fit into that, that I know I'm not completely, um, you know, I'm not completely in left field. I know that that is true for a lot of women and not all of them, but many. So again, if someone is so dissociated from their own bodies, let's just say, then having care and support come from the outside can feel really threatening. And as I said in the email, maybe last time our own no wasn't able to be voiced. We never were able to say it or we did say it and it wasn't respected or honored. So, you know, again, there's a ton of reasons, really good ones, why someone's body might choose to basically block things off. And again, it'll happen if it's meant to happen for uh, that particular person, but for women that are open and learning and wanting to not not do it that way, um, they're so much. There's so much there inside of each of us to help. So these ideas start forming um, in this dissociative person, woman. These ideas start forming that if we really try and control everything, for example, um, we'll be safe. If we completely shun all medical care, all holistic care, all people, we will be safe. Uh, this idea of a wild pregnancy. It's really not anything like having a pregnancy that flows and is just based on your own desire, needs and intuition doesn't need a label because it might be wild and it might not. Um, it's just your pregnancy. And I've never really understood the need to categorize it before it's over. And the only reason one would possibly do that is because they already have this control hand over what's going to happen. And again, there are many reasons for that. For some people, that's perfect. But for a lot of women, it's because they're so out of control on the inside that they have to um, have this like iron grip and label it before it's even through, which is really fascinating that we've gotten to this place. However, it's totally understandable. I am 100% aligned with the fact that modern birth practices, even midwifery practices, have become abusive, have become over-medicalized, have become um, over-interventioned, have become awful for women all over the world and their babies. So I would never debate that. But I think what I'm really feeling in my own body is this desire to do this work for myself, um, regardless of, you know, if I'm going to birth again, I have no idea. But doing this work inside of myself, because ancestrally, we can heal the generations that have come before, and of course, the generations that come after, just by unraveling some of these things ourselves. So I will continue to do that. 
And what I also feel is the desire to support other women in these deeper processes Um, as a midwife, as a spiritual midwife, as a priestess, whatever word you want to use. I think there are many of us out there and available to women in their pregnancies, but we have to be summoned, so to speak. Um, You know, you might have to look a little, you might have to dig, uh, you might have to invest in doing that kind of work financially, emotionally, spiritually, yourself and with someone else. Like there is a literal and metaphorical price sometimes to pay for this kind of support. And, you know, I am not going to defend that at all. But the point being is that it's not always the easiest route. It's not. It's not the easiest thing sometimes to do this deep digging on yourself. It is shitty at times. And to invite another woman in um, invites in other things. It invites in a relationship. It invites in the need to trust. It invites in who knows what comes up for each of us when we're in relationship and specifically with another woman. So I'm not going to go down the sister wound rabbit hole right now, but I think it does bring up a lot in all different ways for different people. And I understand also why a lot of women want to do it alone to avoid that. Uh, You know, the sister wound is so strong. It is so gaping. It is so painful that to invite another woman in would just be too much. And again, I have all respect for that as well. If that's where someone is at and that's how it's going to unroll for them. Well, that was a lot. I don't know that I said everything I wanted to say. That feels good for now. Um, I think there's a lot more to be said, perhaps another time. And I suppose the last little bit, just looking at my email, could be potentially about the fact that many women feel they don't have a choice. So I do hear that quite a bit as well. Um, I'm not saying all that I ever hear is I need to do it alone for whatever reasons. And I have all this great support and, you know, I'm just going to lock myself in a bedroom. Um, No, more times than not, women are saying that they can't find the support they want. And I feel like that starts to flow into an entirely different podcast, Um, you know, checking in with that, checking in with what we want and need, checking in with our own belief systems about what we feel we can have and what we can't. There is a lot of inner work to do. It doesn't mean that woman's wrong. I mean, she may literally live in a town of a thousand people and there is no one. So I honor that as well. But for most women, there are creative solutions that will emerge as we uncover some of our own stuff. Um, that is really, truly what I believe. There was one more thing I was going to mention, and now it's feeling like I forgot it, which I'm sure is perfect. Hmm. Oh, okay. This is what I was going to share, and I will end after this. 
because for some reason my computer is not charging. I did receive many emails in response to what I shared with you. And like I said, I didn't receive uh, a negative response, at least not yet, although those are welcome. I received emails from women who felt they really resonated with what I had written, mostly because that is what they had chosen. So a couple of emails saying the same thing, like I did choose to go at it alone and here were my reasons. And um, most of them ultimately were sharing because they felt that they would have benefited from not doing it that way. Although a couple very clearly said, and this is so great, really, that they had no regrets. So there weren't regrets. It didn't work out how they planned, but in the future would seek the support of another woman. And I'll end with that because that's not everybody. Um, There are lots of women that, you know, have had free births, have had these alone, isolated pregnancies that are fine with it, you know. But from what I hear, and again, we're kind of on the inside circuit here, so it may not be what you're exposed to in your circles. Um, Primarily women that say that, like, my free birth was fine. That's one category. It worked out fine. It was great for what it was. However, in the future, I would choose differently. I didn't realize. (laughs) I didn't realize what I wanted. I didn't realize the support I could have had. And again, there's no judgment there because sometimes and often we don't know what we don't know until we know it. And then another category of women saying, um, oh, and and funny enough, um, a lot of these stories that I've heard and and I keep hearing are rarely with a first baby. So if they are, then they seem to be what I've already shared a lot of them, which is like, yeah, it was great or it wasn't great, whatever. It was great or it wasn't. But next time I'd probably have someone. And then um, a lot of the stories seem to be women that were completely traumatized with their first babies and then chose this isolated scenario for their second, which really is what I'm trying to talk about today. That's a perfect example. You know, it's so it's so clear. And again, it's not that it is wrong or bad to choose from this place that is really hurt, but that is a typical situation, a really, really awful first birth. And then choosing this for their second, which in that category, a lot of those women are like, oh my gosh, it was perfect for me. It was perfect. Um, you know, whether or not they chose from a place of trauma, seems irrelevant to a lot of them. It it was perfect for them because nobody touched them and nobody talked to them and nobody was invited in. So I think it does depend where one is on their birth path. And I know most women aren't going to have uh, as many babies as I've had, for example. So, you know, we're all going to choose based on where we are on that path as well. I can think of a couple of clients actually over the years who did come to um, me as their midwife or whatever you want to call it after having a free birth. And yeah, it's not always because it was awful and terrible, although sometimes, but it was more that they really wanted that support. And I will end by saying that that is what makes the most sense to me. 
It doesn't have to make the most sense to you. And I have truly been blessed. I've had Margot by my side many times. I have other close sisters that I would easily invite to any future births of mine. So I admit I am very well supported with choices. But I still think in the ideal world that support from another woman uh, is really awesome. And as I said in the email, it doesn't have to take away. It shouldn't take away. It shouldn't, you know, it shouldn't take away. It should enhance the experience. And while I get that that hasn't been the case for a lot of women, um, that doesn't mean that it's not possible. All right, folks, I am off to Barcelona in about 36 hours. My next podcast will be not recorded in Barcelona. So stay tuned for what that winds up to be next week. And I will see you back here with reports of teaching in Europe when I am home and hopefully recovered from what might be very terrible jet lag. Lots of love. Have a beautiful week. Oh, 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 oh,